So a little while back, I walked down a dearth path by Bayona Creek for the first time since the pandemic began. Now, I used to walk this path several times a week. It's the creek that feeds the Venice canals, and that's on one side of this little dirt path, and on the other side are these big, huge homes with the ends of their gardens and something very well manicured usually and hedges and whatnot. And as I walked along, I didn't recognize a bunch of the gardens because they were so much more lush and beautiful. Edging right up to the path, there were flowers and bloom and fancy irrigation and cherry tomatoes ripening. And there was even one little new mango tree with the tag mango. And I realized, wow, this is what these people did during the pandemic. While I was hunkering down at home watching TV and playing video games, they made amazing gardens. And in a blink with that thought, I went from awe at the beauty to beating myself up for not having done enough. I didn't create a herb garden, and I didn't learn how to bake new things, and I didn't clean out all my closets, and I still have a gazillion photos to organize that I didn't even touch. I didn't do enough. And then I circled the drain even further to, I'm just not enough. When I first read this morning's gospel about Jesus sending the disciples out in pairs to share the good news, to share the love of God and invite people into a deeper relationship with God, it honestly made me tired. Oh no, not, not another thing to do. I don't have the oomph to deal with going out and nurturing a new garden. But then, again in all honesty, because I had to write this sermon, I took a closer look at that gospel. And I, look at the, I took a look at Jesus' call to the disciples he sends them out in pairs. He doesn't send them out alone. And he tells them to not take anything for their journey, except each other. Basically, just go out as you are, nothing more. So instead of the lack of possession seeming like a burden, suddenly I'm hearing, just go out as you are. You are enough. Just be you. And you have each other. And above all, you have my love. My love is all you need to go out. You are enough just as you are to go out and spread the good news. Because my grace and my love, says Jesus, works through you just as you are. This is a big invitation to us to shed our attachments to things of this world and the trappings of the world, the exterior ones, and also these trappings of our minds. Go out. You have my power within you. Go out and proclaim my way, my way of love. And in doing so, my grace will work through you to heal people, to free folk with, from demons, to anoint people with my sacred oil. So go in your vulnerability. Go in your imperfection. Go in your humility. You are enough. So Jesus is asking us to go out and let go of anything that keeps us at a safe distance. 
Let go of the trappings of wealth. Let go of prestige. Let go of having abundance. Just be you. Be vulnerable. That's pretty scary. What if we're rejected? Well, if we look at the whole of the gospel reading, the whole first half is about Jesus being rejected in his hometown. And I don't think it's an accident that he sends out his disciples right after his rejection, because we have an example of what rejection looks like. He's rejected in the very place you'd expect him to be embraced. He's rejected even though all these people who know him and were first astounded by his teaching, they flip. And in a blink, it's like, hey, that's the carpenter's son. That's Mary's kid. And the crowd's knowledge of Jesus' job, his family, his socioeconomic status, and whatever encounters they'd had with him growing up, those all crowded the mind and crowded out, blocked out the good news that initially astounded them. He's not good enough. I mean, he doesn't have what it takes. So what does Jesus do? He moves on. Makes me think of the phrase, let go and let God. Though maybe for Jesus it's let go and let me. He did what he could. He shared the good news. And they didn't, for their own reasons, hear him in his fullness. Now his rejection by his hometown, that doesn't diminish the power of his good news, as we see in the rest of the gospel, as we see as he heads to the cross, on the cross, after the cross, into resurrection. Rejection doesn't tarnish his divinity. He doesn't need their approval, because the good news is simply that good news. Take it or leave it. So when he's sending out his disciples, when he's sending us out, he's saying to do the same thing, Share the good news just as you are. And if they refuse to hear it, move on. In the face of rejection, he says, dust off your feet. I I love this image of dust. The dust and dirt of rejection. Dust it off. But if you think about dust, dust is on the surface. It doesn't penetrate our being. It doesn't penetrate us in a way that would take away God's love, because that love is in the heart of our existence. Now, images are a wonderful thing because we can play with them. We have dust, the dust of of rejection, but we could also hold up this dust and flip it on its head and think of the dust as sacred dust, the dust that we are made of, the dust that we talk about at Good Friday, uh, at, at Ash Wednesday. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because after all, dust is the very matter of our creation. And our bodies are made of remnants of stars and cosmic explosions from billions of years ago. Sacred dust. So what if, on that doorstep, The dust that we're dusting off, the dust that we've accumulated as we've gotten to the doorstep, is sacred dust, is the dust of love. Perhaps this is the call. 
to bring this sacred dust of love to every doorstep, whether or not the door opens, and to bless every doorstep step with that love. Just move forward as we are, sprinkling the dust of love or getting rid of the dust, of letting go of the dust of, of rejection. That surface dust, the sacred dust, the dust we encounter when rejected and the dust we bring to every encounter. We are vulnerable and we are imperfect and a good number of us are pandemic fatigued. But we are also souls who have the gift of God's grace regardless of how much we feel it, regardless of how worthy we feel. We are enough. And God's grace is enough. And that's what Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinth and the people of Corinth. He cites the Lord saying, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. When I was a hospital chaplain for a brief bit, I remember going into a room with a woman who's all tiny and shriveled up. She was walking her walk towards death. And I asked her if she wanted to pray, and she said, oh, no, honey, I've done my prayer for today. I was like, okay. She said, I just have one prayer. What's that? I pray, may your grace be sufficient for me, for your power is made perfect in my weakness. She felt enough. That's really inspiring, that the grace empowers us in and through our weaknesses, in and through the challenges and rejections of the world. The grace doesn't protect us from challenges, doesn't protect us from pain, doesn't protect us from persecution, but empowers us to encounter that with love. It's grace, this grace gives us freedom it frees us from attachment to results. It frees us from a desire for approval and frees us from the trappings of the world. We are enough. God's grace is sufficient for all of us. And God's power is made perfect in all of our weakness. Amen.